Thank you for joining us on the Ball on Blast podcast. As always, my name is Sheldon Alexander, and I'm here once again with my dude, Andrew Webster. Webby, what's up, man? Uh, just shopping on eBay right now for a Phillies Carlos Santana jersey. <laughs> the Phillies are trying to make some waves right now. Oh, man, they, their name popped up in the Manny Machado sweepstakes. That would be pretty sweet. Big things going on in Philly, and we are taping this edition on a Friday night, which means right now the OKC Philly game is uh, is litty at halftime. And we is also there have, not a Raptor game on as well. There is also the Raptors are playing the new look Brooklyn Nets with the additions of your your former <laughs> Sixers, right. right? So lots going on in the NBA, and lots to talk about as always on the Ball on Blast podcast. Today we'll go through a bunch of things, including LeBron as always, the Houston Rockets, OKC in turmoil, or maybe not. We also got. Uh, the Lithuanian All-Stars. We'll get into the ball family <laughs> and, and what's going on this week. We got tons of stuff, as always, in the Feed Me segment, including Lonzo versus Nas, Zebo versus Boogie. Tons of stuff going on. And, of course, a nice solid chat about the Toronto Raptors and no member of the Raptors team being ranked on the ringers list of the top 25 players of the first 25-ish games so far this season. Tons oh, to talk about. You're telling me that Raptors fans are feeling a little, uh, uh, a little left out by American media. I mean, that never happens, right? I know that I never know. happens. All that plus, of course, a special surprise in our Ask on Blast segment, which we we teased last week. So if you're if you're one of the lucky people that listen to us every week, you know what it is. But if not, you'll just have to wait and see. That's Tune in. Tune in. That's a tease. That's a tease right there. That's what we call tease in the business. But, Webby, as always, we start, like we start every episode, with the Turn Up, Turn Down segment. We will make a statement, and then you have two options. Turn up equals good, turn down equals bad. Pretty simple, right? Do I like it or do I not like it? (laughs) To start, LeBron to Houston is a real possibility next year. So this comes up because USA Today's Sam Amick, or Amik maybe, not sure how you pronounce that, but he's a big-time reporter, so I should probably figure that out. But he reported, <laughs> he reported that, quote, in some rocket circles, believe that Houston will have a genuine chance at signing James. He also spoke to NBA executives who shared the same sentiment. So all this stuff going on, LeBron is killing it. It's either LeBron or James Harden as the MVP at this point, but could we be seeing these two teaming up next year, Webby? Turn up or turn down. LeBron to the Houston Rockets is a real possibility next year. Webby, what do you think? I got to turn up. Ooh, okay. I got to turn up. Okay, so here's what I'm saying. Right now, we're seeing LeBron James play at a level that we really haven't seen him play at before. And we've talked a lot about what his Cavs team looks like, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, we also got to understand is that LeBron is my age, is in the middle of his 30s, okay? So that means that I don't know how many seasons, like the throwback vintage LeBron season that we're seeing this year, I don't know how much of those he has left in him. So if you're LeBron, why not go and play with one of your best friends in Chris Paul? and one of the next best players in the NBA, James Harden. And wouldn't LeBron fit perfectly with that team? 
the crazy thing about that, Webby, is LeBron would probably be playing a stretch four for them. <laughs> think about exactly. that for a second. Think yeah. of how many more minutes that he's going to be able to play at that position rather than playing the point forward position that he's been playing the last three years in Cleveland. It's it's a crazy thought for sure. And, you know, what's interesting, too, was I don't know if you caught a little bit of inside the NBA last night or maybe it was at halftime of one of the games. I can't remember which one it was, but I always love listening to those guys because they're super entertaining. But also they drop little nuggets here and there. And they had an interesting conversation about um, and at first it sounded like a little bit of hate because they were talking about how much easier it is to play a long time or have a longer career in today's NBA as opposed to back when they played. And on the surface, that sounds like it could be a little bit of hate, right? But when they broke it down, they were actually saying that because there's no contact, there's no hand checking, like you could be Dirk Nowitzki and still be able to play two, three, four extra years because you're not really banging bodies in the middle. Like that doesn't really happen anymore, right? There's not even that many classic centers or classic bigs in the league anymore. And so, especially if you look at a guy like LeBron James, you can now evolve and be a four or be a five in certain instances because you're playing the perimeter, right? And even when you're driving to the basket, it's not like there's hard fouls anymore where someone's throwing you to the ground. Like the whole league has just changed so much. And so the toll that used to be taken on your body is so much less now, and that can extend your career. And I mean, that's a scary, scary sight, Webby, to turn up on this, but I had to disagree and I'm going to turn down on this. I do not think this is a realistic possibility. I think it's cool to think of only because Chris Paul is there and obviously we know about their relationship, but there's two things here. One, I just think LeBron is staying in Cleveland. I just think that's the move because at this stage of his career, it's championship or bust. And for it to remain championship or bust, he has to get to the championship. And the easiest way to do that is in the Eastern Conference, staying with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So that's that's my or first signing thing. with the Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> Touche. I'll give you that, Webby. I'll give you that <laughs> one. I'll give you that one. But on top of that, I also just think that him going to Houston, of course it would work and it would take a lot to sort of juggle around some contracts and you know, you'd have to kind of gut the rest of that team. And yes, LeBron, Chris Paul, and James Harden is a great starting point to beat any team in the history of basketball. But I really don't know how much that would work. I think Chris Paul and and James Harden having enough ball to go around and, you know, staggering the minutes so that one of them is always on the court. I think that works. You add in another, like, forget about ball dominant. LeBron is another point guard. So now you'd be playing with three point guards on the floor at the same time. Yes, they could all make it work, but I still think LeBron is at a stage in his career where he is that lead guy and he has to have the ball in his hands a lot. And I don't know if James Harden can still be James Harden beside LeBron and beside Chris Paul. I don't know. I don't know. Like I, 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 I feel like they could figure it out, Webby, but I also think that LeBron is not ready to do that move yet. I think he still has a couple more of these prime LeBron seasons left before he jumps on fully onto someone else's bandwagon. I, I do agree with you there. That, that, that point in his career is coming. I don't necessarily know if it's next year. Yeah. But the other thing is, too, is that the person who runs the Rockets, Daryl Morey, mm-hmm. it, it, to me it seems like LeBron has been his white whale. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, Daryl Morey's always trying to make that move to get those pieces to land that big, big signing. And who would be bigger than getting LeBron James on the Rockets? You're so right. His move has always been about star power. And I always like that about him, right? Like his whole focus all the time was was star power. And if you look at just how this team's been built, James Harden wasn't James Harden when they first acquired him, but they had the vision to see that he could develop into an all-star, right? And so that becomes your first star. They tried to get Dwight Howard, and that didn't really work out, right? And now you're bringing in Chris Paul. Like He doesn't hesitate at all to bring in the big-time all-stars and trust in the fact that they can figure it out. And of course, you're undoubtedly correct that LeBron would be the biggest get of them all. I mean, it'd be interesting to see, and it's great NBA talk to, to have in NBA circles, but we'll disagree on this one. You say turn up, I say turn down on LeBron being a real possibility for the Rockets next year. But shout out to the Rockets on their great season, too. They're, yeah, absolutely. They're unbelievable. Right? And they, they still haven't lost a game yet with Chris Paul in the lineup. I'm not sure if they're playing tonight. They probably are, I'd assume, Friday night, busy night in the NBA. But as of the time we're taping this, they're 12-0 at Chris Paul in the lineup, 22-4, first in the West. Do you think... I know I keep asking this each week, and it's kind of like a a thing to check up on as the season uh, progresses, but do you think they can give OKC a go, or not OKC, Golden State a go? Uh, I I really do. I really do. I think the the kind of basketball they're playing is sustainable throughout the year and into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Um, Doesn't it seem like the Warriors haven't really played a game in like two weeks? I know they played last night against the Mavericks, it seems like I haven't just seen the Warriors around. I feel like they're like playing the last nobody. week and a half. I just feel like they're playing nobody. And like the talk is all about Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant doing Kevin Durant things again because there's no Steph Curry. And it's just so weird to me because people are so quick to jump on and say things like Durant is way better than LeBron or whatever. And I just think like you can't gauge it in this in this airspace of the NBA. And what I mean by that is you get to take games off because you have four all-stars on your team, right? LeBron has to cook every single night. James Harden has to cook every single night. The fact that now that Steph Curry's hurt in the last three games, Durant's gone crazy, cool. But all that's really telling me is that your team's stacked, right? Like, I don't know. I'm I'm not impressed. I'm, I'm also just a Golden State hater, as some would call me, which is fine. And, you know... Whatever. Let's move on from that team and let's go to another uh, what was supposed to be super team, but hasn't really worked out so far. But our next topic for turn up, turn down. OKC should fire Billy Donovan. Webby, turn up or turn down? I've been turning up on this since they hired him. (laughs) I don't think Eddie Munster is a good coach. I don't think he's a pro coach. It's, I mean, I, it's tough to argue with you here because the big, the, the thing to me here with this whole entire situation and OKC is struggling. They won on, they won their last game. This is kind of reunion week for Oklahoma city as Paul George went back to Indiana on Wednesday tonight, right. as we speak, uh, they're in Philly, but then tomorrow night, mellow heads back to MSG. And so it's reunion week for them. And so it's kind of like a good point to reflect and, and really gauge. You got a good chunk of games to see how well it's working. And most things point to the fact that it's not working. And we discussed this a little bit last week where everyone's kind of blaming Russ for this. But to me, okay, when all three of the guys aren't doing well, 
how does this just fall on Russ? Like, isn't a coach's job literally to figure out how to get the best out of your players? Right? Like, your your GM gets the talent, right? The stars are stars for a reason. We've seen these guys are good players. Doesn't it ultimately have to fall on the coach to figure this out? I'm turning up on this. OKC should fire Billy Donovan. Yeah, absolutely. But now you have to replace him with somebody who's going to know how to play all three of these guys at the same time and get the most out of them. I think, too, it has to be a coach who a coach who can motivate. And I, I don't want this to sound too cliche and too cheesy, but like literally I think you need a coach who who can be sort of parental to these guys. But like, you know, someone who they believe in, someone who they want to win for, someone who can motivate them. And I don't I don't know who this person is. I'm not saying that it's, you know, a Mark Jackson or a Jeff Van Gundy or I don't know who it is, but they definitely need someone to motivate, to get them all to buy in because they're trying to figure it out and it's just not working. We're at a position here where I saw some crazy stats about, here we go. This is from, uh, I want to say Monday. So they've played two games since, but I'm sure the numbers haven't gotten better. Okay. So of the 33 players who are taking at least 15 shots per game, Russell Westbrook ranks 33rd in field goal percentage. Carmelo ranks 32nd. Paul George ranks 30th. So all so these guys goes against our point though. Cause it's no, no, not no. like Billy, but here's the thing, like Billy Donovan, you know, can't get them to shoot. Here's the thing though, right? Like I feel that it's a coach's job to put these guys in a position to succeed. And we were just talking about how good Houston looks this year. Right. And one of the biggest things, especially since Chris Paul's come back is that, uh, Mike D'Antoni has done such an amazing job of staggering the minutes so that there's no point in time where one of Chris Paul or James Harden aren't on the floor. He's figured out a way that to maximize Chris Paul's minutes, the majority of Chris Paul's minutes, especially when he's on the court by himself, is against a second unit. And that's just fish food for Chris Paul, right? Him going against backup point guards, that's just, that's food. So to, like, to me, that's just an example of a coach figuring out, okay, we have these two guys, how am I going to make this work? You have star players. And yes, some of this is on Russ. Russ is a point guard. Russ is supposed to get everybody involved. Russ is supposed to figure that out. But he's a point guard and the coach on the floor. Where's the game plan? I've seen them at certain points do a much better job of running plays, especially down the stretch, because that's been most of what their problem has been so far this season is closing out games. But at the end of the day, like, I mean, you, you got to figure this out. I don't know if it's a rotation thing. I don't know if it's a motivation thing, but we're getting weird clip, weird quotes now where Paul oh, yeah, George is saying getting weird quotes, for the, but now we're in, we're in full on Carmelo sulk mode. Yes. The other night, what was it? Mello uh, left without speaking to the media and it, what was yeah, his excuse before the media came in the locker room and he, he, his excuse was he had to FaceTime his son. That's, yeah. that's what he said the next day. I mean, there, there's just a lot of things going on here. And I mean, yes, you can blame, you can blame Mello. You can blame Paul George. You can blame Russ and say that they're all ball dominant guys and whatever. But literally when we talk about what people's jobs are, like in the job description, right? The GM gets you players. The coach coaches the players. Billy Donovan, you have good players. Figureitout.com. Is it maybe moving Russ to the two so that you have a more traditional point guard playing more? And if that's Raymond Felton, I guess. I don't know. But I, I'm not saying that that's the answer. I'm just saying that Billy Donovan gets paid millions of, do of dollars to figure this out. And we've seen other super teams struggle in the beginning before, whether it was LeBron when he came back again to play with Kyrie Irving in Cleveland. 
or whether it was LeBron when he went to Miami, they struggled off the bat. And eventually they figured it out. It was the whole alpha dog thing, right? Like he was kind of tentative in terms of whose team it was until he realized, no, 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 he's LeBron James. He's the best player in the league. It's his team wherever he goes. And I think in this instance here, Russ can't slow down. Russ has to play how Russ plays, and it's on those guys to catch up. And if most of Melo's minutes come against a second unit, then that's what so it be is. It. So be it. That's what it is. And he doesn't have to come off the bench for that to happen either. That's the part that I don't get. Like, why people keep talking about Melo coming off the bench? Like, starting and finishing games, right? That's what really, that's like what the super, that's what's in the superstar players' minds. So, the five minutes, if you have him sit on the bench for the first five minutes of the game, I don't see what difference that makes. Instead of, you know what I mean? Like, all you're doing other is messing than, with other his head. Than it's a blow to his ego. Exactly. And why would you want that? And if you're a good coach, there's a way that you can get Melo to do that without it hurting his ego. For sure. Totally. The other thing I want to ask you about this, though, Webby, is the Paul George stuff. Obviously, he just came back from that game in Indiana where he shot horribly, which I don't even know how OKC won because their three stars played so poorly. But, I'll tell you how they won. Two words. Oh. Steven Adams. Steven Adams, the god. He's, Yo, he's an animal. Toughest dude in the NBA right now. He is an animal. But th- what I want to talk about here, though, is the other guy in Indy, Victor Oladipo, who also struggled in that game against OKC, the reunion game for him. And right. there's been so much talk so far about, you know, the great season that Victor Oladipo is having and, you know, the comparisons between him and Paul George. What do you make of this? Like, Oladipo's playing well, but let's slow this down. Like, you still would do that trade over again a thousand times. I would still do that trade 10,000 times each and every day. I would make that trade again, getting to get Paul George for Victor Oladipo and Sabonis. Well, here's the thing. I think both teams would do it over and over again. Because you have to take into account the fact that George has just one year left. That is a huge thing. The the thing that kept getting, again, that... And they didn't just get Oladipo. They got Zabonis, too. And I said this a while ago, man. Uh, he, I almost called him Arvita Sabonis. <laughs> they wish and, they got Arvita. Arvita Sabonis' kid, he's a, he's a real NBA player. They wish they got Arvidas Sabonis, right? Then they they'd won the trade. Then if they really did get Arvidas Sabonis, I, I don't know. They, the Demonis Sabonis is is really good. Here's here's my thing, and this is really the thing that gets me. And I know if you've been following us and listening to this podcast, I am a Russell Westbrook stan. Like I am on Team Westbrook, one thousand percent. And the thing that gets me so angry about the the Russ shade that happens is that. Every single thing that goes on is Russ's fault. So Victor Oladipo is now having a good season, and people are like, oh, see, it was Russ's fault. People can't play with Russ. And it's like, wait a second, slow down. There were articles written about what Oladipo did in this offseason, and he changed his diet, and he worked out extra hard, and he's coming back home, and all these other factors that went into it. And plus, if you watch the games, his success is coming from playing like a bootleg version of Russell Westbrook's game. Do you know what I mean? So if, you, if you're watching this, there's obviously he couldn't play like that with Russ. And plus he was given the opportunity to do that in spells when Russ wasn't on the court and he couldn't do it. So the whole like blame game that continues to happen over people just blaming Russell Westbrook and saying, oh, see, look, 
it's Russ's fault. Look how good Oladipo is. And he couldn't do that beside Russ. It's like, well, he didn't really do that before Russ either. No? No, you're absolutely right. I mean, that the, the, the addition of Oladipo to the Thunder last year was, was doomed from the start because they're the same player. Yeah, the, it, it was very, it was very tough thing, and and maybe but there's convince- another, there's another weird thing that goes on with the media and Russ. Mm-hmm. And I can't, uh, I can't figure out what it is. It, it's like, it's like going back to Oklahoma City when he and Durant were there. Mm-hmm. It was always Russ's fault. It was always Russ wants to take the last shot. Russ thinks he's better than the than Durant, and even when Durant went to the Warriors. That decision wasn't treated nearly with as much uh, scrutiny as LeBron to Miami was. So true. Even though it was more egregious in terms of him joining a super team with the Warriors. You know what's you know what was one of the big things, Webby, and I'm glad you brought this up too, because one of the things that really swung me to Russ's side, like wholeheartedly, was last year. I think it had to be at the start of the season. There was a big write-up in SI, and I want to say it was Lee Jenkins, but I can't remember who it was that wrote it. But it was a big article that had the whole thing with the cupcakes, you know, where it explained Russ uh, tweeting out the cupcakes on the 4th of July and all that stuff. Do you remember that article? Yeah, I do. It was it was a really dope article, but I I'd I'd advise everyone to go back and read it because it was really good and a lot of insight into – why Russell Westbrook is Russell Westbrook, like why he's a guy that you see on the court, like that fierce competitor, why he just like doesn't really have time for the media because he doesn't care about that side of it. He just wants to play ball and all the other like sideshow to it. Like he doesn't really care. Like he's just him. He likes to dress up and play ball. But the reason I bring this up is because the perception of Russell Westbrook, especially when you see him in the media and he's like kind of surly sometimes, you know, the perception is that this is like this mean guy. But in this article, there was this great story about how they're the Thunder sideline reporter, right? And how she's in she's in the article and she talks about how, you know, Russ is is misunderstood and how in the very beginning she thought that Russ was uh Russ didn't like her, she thought, right? And she was doing all these like interviews. She'd do the sideline interviews with them and he didn't really care and he didn't really he wasn't really giving like good answers or whatever. And then they had a conversation about it where and she said he realized and acknowledged like, oh, okay, well, this is part of like, this is me giving back to like our fans. This is me talking to our fans. This is about us. And so he kind of started to like open up a little more in those like local interviews that you see at the end of the games. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And so like the ESPN ones, he'd still kind of be like, okay, whatever, whatever. But at least in those like live local ones, like he understood the concept of, oh, okay, like this is for us. Like this isn't someone that's trying to get me or like flip the narrative into someone else to turn on me, right? So anyways, she was hesitant to tell this story, but she told this great story about how when uh, she was on, she was about to go on mat leave. And yeah, 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 I do remember this. You remember this? Yeah, she was about to go on mat leave and Russ decided, and all of a sudden like Russ told her, uh, oh, I got something for you. And she goes out to a parking lot, goes to her car, and Russ bought her like this super dope, like top of the line uh, stroller. And she was kind of like, she was so caught off guard and like thrown off and she she couldn't believe it. She was stunned, right? Because you think you have this, you think the relationship you have with this person or you think this person is one thing and then you're just kind of like, oh, they completely surprise you. 
And to her credit, she was honest enough about the fact that she saw Russ's girl later on and like commented and said, oh, thanks. Like, it's really great. Like, you got me like this. And she's like getting all descriptive about like what kind it was and how top of the line it was. And Russ's girl stopped her and said, actually, I don't really know much about it. Like, Russ was the one that picked it out. Yeah. And she yeah, was he like, was the one who, yeah, that's <laughs> it. Made sure it was top of the line, made yeah, sure yeah. that it was the hottest and stroller like, on the block. Knew all the specs and the ins and outs to it. And she was just like blown away, right? And it was just, it was a great story to kind of tell you that what you see or what you, what you get to see of a certain person isn't really what that person is, right? And especially in sports, as fans, because we're talking on this podcast as fans, first and foremost, right? And as fans, we get so caught up in, this guy's a good guy, this guy's a bad guy, we don't like this guy, we love this guy, you know? And it's like kind of just a reminder that these are like human beings too, right? They're just dudes. You know what the other thing is too? It's like if you don't play that national media game, mm-hmm. you do get labeled as a bad guy. I mean, look at Boogie. Mm-hmm. Okay, now Boogie, sure, acts like he does on the court, but because he doesn't give those national media types as much time as he does with the local guys, he gets painted in a completely negative light than what I'm sure he is just as a person. Yeah, no, it's so true. And uh, speaking of people who get painted by the media in uh, (laughs) interesting, interesting light... (laughs) The Ball family. Uh, it just never stops, right? It just never stops. But this time, as we move on in our turn up or turn down segment, Mellow and Jello as Lithuanian League All-Stars. Webby, are you turning up or turning down? For those unaware of what's going on, your boys, the two youngest balls, Leangelo and Lamello, as we told you last week, Lavar pulled them both out of school and now both are turning pro. And now they have signed with a team in Lithuania. And yeah, Webby, what do you make okay, of this? What, turning up or turning what am I down? Turning up or turning down here? You're turning up or turning down on Mello and Jello as Lithuanian League All Stars. Uh, I'm going to turn down <laughs> because I don't think that they're going to play enough games in the Lithuanian League to qualify as All Stars. So that's amazing. Uh, I agree with you. I will also turn down on this, but the reason we bring this up is because there's so many details that have come out about the team that they're going to. And first off, we'll read this tweet from your boy, Frank Fraschilla, who, if you don't remember uh, who that is. Who came up with the uh, Bruno Caboclo is four years away from being four years away. Exactly. So he is the international plug when it comes to... Uh, you know, scouting and different teams and different leagues. And he came up with this fire flame tweet to describe where the ball players, the two ball sons are going. So this, he tweets, prominent former American player who played for Ball Brothers' new coach had some insights on him. One, competent coach with a freewheeling pick and roll offense. Okay, cool. That sounds good, right? That's good for the ball family. That's good. That's good. Running gun, LeVar's offense. I like it. Two, Speaks no English. Now, that could be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) But basketball is the international language. True, true. Three, screams the entire game. (laughs) Sounds like their dad. Yep, could also be a problem. And number four, sold meat out of his car trunk to his players after practice. I swear. Okay, 
this guy is sounding more and more like LeVar Ball every time I read more about him. The Lithuanian LeVar Ball, is that what we're talking about here? That's a, um, that is an amazing, that's amazing journalism right there. That is journalism. I know, that is dick and deep. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, what are these guys getting into? There's tons of articles around, and uh, I, I sent you this one on from Bleacher Report, Webby, where they kind of got into, you know, the town and like where these guys were going. And they're saying it's essentially a rural Lithuanian town where they're going to go play. And it's like living on a farm, no restaurants, no malls, no traffic congestion. Hey, that's a good thing, right? That's different than LA for sure. A little different than LA. More on maybe on that uh, low-key Chino Hills vibe though, right? Is that what they're (laughs) from? Right? But essentially, I mean... What are we expecting from this? Like, are we expecting anything? Like, is this really going to help their career or help them progress into the NBA? What we're looking at here is a reality show episode. Ah, I like that. I mean, as much as I want this to be, I mean, I- I'd love for them to surprise me and for uh, Mello and Jello to, uh, to, to become real Lithuanian League All-Stars. I think that would be a great story. And for them to take this team, you know, to the championship, there would be something, you know, you couldn't write a better screenplay for a movie like this. What but, was, no, but sorry, I have a on. feeling that what we're looking at is an episode or a couple episodes, maybe even a season of a reality show. I was going to say that what you were describing kind of reminded me of what was that show, like the original, like, uh, reality show that really started this whole generation. It was with Paris Hilton and... What's your name? Oh, um, the Simple Life? Is that what it was? The Simple Life? I think that's what it was called. The Simple Life. The Simple Life, yeah. So uh, just reading some of the quotes here uh, from one of the former players that used to play there says, there's nothing to do in that place. It's the ultimate life of going to practice and back to the hotel. About the coach, he says, he has an unpredictable temper, according to his former players. He ditches practice early, and sometimes he had his teams play soccer instead of training and has pulled his players off the court mid-game. A tactic, obviously, we've seen LeVar Ball do himself. So I don't see him having a problem with that. This that's, has, what that's what I'm saying. This coach and LeVar Ball, there are several, several parallels. Oh, yeah. This can be I mean, a great what, reality what show. I'm in. big I'm baller in. brand shoes if it isn't selling meat out of the back of your car? That's a great point, Webby. That's a great point. You're comparing this to a reality show, and I'm here for the reality show. I will tune in to watch what these guys are going to do. Do they get into the Lithuanian culture? You know what I mean? Maybe they should get Jonas involved. Jonas Valanciunas tried to stick himself into this kind of, you know? Did you did you catch any of that? They asked uh, Jonas no, about... because I'm not one of the 300 people who follows or even knows who Jonas Valanciunas is. <laughs> Now, hold well, on. Which of the shots for Jonas for hitting that three the other night? Jonas is starting to drain threes. Don't hate on JV like that. Listen, way to go, big man. Up that trade value. It's, hey, not mad at that. Uh, but I will tell you, Jonas was mad at Barkley because Barkley was going in yeah. on – because he said he doesn't know where Lithuania is, right? He was going on uh, one of his rants because Charles Barkley and LeVar Ball have been butting heads forever, which will come to a head next week as – Chuck and crew are calling the Lakers game on Christmas night, by the oh, way. Oh, it's so good. So him and LeVar Ball, it will come to a head that night. But uh, I don't know if you saw the clip out there, but Charles Barkley was kind of just going off saying he doesn't know where Lithuania is. And 
dissing LeVar Ball for why would he send his kids to Lithuania, to which JV jumped onto Twitter and said, don't worry, Charles. Now that you can say my name correctly, I'm happy to show you where Lithuania is. I would like to invite you to be my personal guest next summer. What do you say? <laughs> that's amazing. Now, that's got an inside the NBA segment written all over. Hey, again, that's another reality show I will definitely watch. Two Lithuanian reality shows? What's, what's going on here? NBA really is going global. The only thing is, is that the Raptors are going to have to trade Jonas to a uh, team that gets national attention. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, fire takes here today. I'm so mad at JV. So mad at Jonas. Even though my man's hitting threes now? No, no, not mad at Jonas. Not mad at Jonas. <laughs> well, sticking with the Ball family, and, you know, it leads us into our Feed Me segment because there was big news here that was just too easy for our Feed Me segment this week. And yes, I come off as two things most of the time on this podcast, and that is a supporter of Russell Westbrook and a supporter of the Ball family. But in this case, I was not on Team Ball because your man's Lonzo decided to walk into Madison Square Garden and he was photographed and it was posted all over social media. Perfect for our Feed Me segment, which is the best of the best from the NBA that comes across our social media feeds. Feed Me, get it? See how that works? Yeah. Well, Lonzo decided that he was going to wear a hoodie with his face superimposed onto Nas's head on the cover of his classic album, It Was Written. Webby, what, do you, what, did, what did you think of this move by your man's Lonzo Ball? Uh, this is like, have you ever heard, you never wear the shirt of the band you're going to see? Oh, okay. You never walk into an NBA game with your face on whatever you're wearing. So the other thing here, too, is the backstory to all this was that uh, in one of the tapings for their reality show, one of the guys, it might have been one of their... Uh, like handlers or managers or something, or maybe one of their uncles. I don't know who was in the, in the background. But he, he and Lonzo were talking about hip-hop music, and Lonzo made a comment, which the internet just ran away with yes, and blew yeah, up into this whole controversy. That. But really, it was like a throwaway kind of joke where he said, I think he was talking about Uzi. Yeah. And he, and he made the comment like, oh, you probably just listen to Nas anyways and like dissed Nas as if to say like Nas is washed and that's what old heads listen to. Essentially, that was a thing. And the very internet true. ran. Oh, very true. No, but the internet ran with the whole take that Nas isn't good because Lonzo, said, or Lonzo says Nas sucks. Essentially is what the right. internet took from that <laughs> and turned it into a whole thing. So this was Lonzo flipping that and... New Yorkers were not happy about it at all, as Twitter was just upset because how could Lonzo Ball try to go at one of the New York legends, Nazir Jones, like that? To which, after the loss, because the Lakers ended up losing said game, Nas then took to Instagram to post just a picture of the New York Knicks logo with great win, Knicks, which I thought was a great move by Nas because he didn't directly mention Lonzo at all. Right? But you knew what he was talking about. Yeah, exactly. I love the internet. I love fucking the NBA. The NBA and the internet is just such a perfect match because there's just so much going on all the time. Who did you think won this round, though, if we were going to say Lonzo versus 
Nas here in this little feed me battle. Well, okay. Now I've got my own feed me here that I want to give you after this, and it ties in nicely. Of course. But I will say that who won this is obviously not because the Knicks won and Lonzo lost. <laughs> but I want to go back to this. Hold on. It was written as a classic album. Why are you mad at it was written, Webby? I'm not mad at it was written. It's fantastic. Okay. But I don't know about classic. Oh, Webby. I mean, listen, Illmatic, best album of all time. Not just hip hop album, best album of all time. Okay. Front to back. Okay. That's a classic. I can't throw away, I can't throw around the word classic like this and give it to It Was Written. Please. Listeners to the Ball on Blast podcast, hit us up in the comments and let us know, is It Was Written a classic hip-hop album? You're giving me so many passes, you almost had me put Harlem World as a classic. No, no, no. Whoa, whoa, I asked the question. I did not say that Harlem World was a classic album. I was just bringing up a discussion that was had on an interview I was watching. I did not call Harlem World a classic album that did not happen go back and listen to the tapes nowhere did i say you're that asking, you're asking the question is that <laughs> come on webby don't okay, do me okay. like that don't do so me can like I that give you my feed me i'm in i'm in of course okay so the balls were in new york huge deal right huge they had the pop-up shop in manhattan for big baller brand they did did you see what was happening in the line I saw one video, but I don't so, know if it's so the same video you're the talking about. the whole line fenced off so people could still walk through the sidewalk, okay? Mm-hmm. So there were a group of kids who were uh, hanging out on this metal barrier, and they were waiting for people to walk by because right in the middle of the sidewalk was a pile of dog poop. <laughs> yes, I did see this video. <laughs> so people would walk by and all the kids, they wouldn't say anything and they would just wait for somebody to step in the poop. <laughs> and this lady did. And it was like 25 teens just dying. <laughs> I have this. If you follow me on Twitter, listeners, I have this thing that to close out 2017 that I'm just hashtagging peak 2017 which is to say like this is me feeling washed this is me feeling old but 2017 has just been so crazy watching that online was just one of the things where i'm like this is just so 2017 this is content right now someone videotaping a group of kids watching people step (laughs) in dog shit and then erupting in laughter and I found myself laughing at it. And I'm like, what is going on right now? What am okay. I doing? Another quick feed me thing? No, it don't, doesn't have to be quick, Webby. Do your thing. Feed me. Ha- have you noticed in the yeah. NBA mm-hmm. the new trend of the supreme arm and leg wraps? Yes, the sleeves. Yes. The sleeves. The so- sleeves. J.R. Smith. Last night was playing with a black supreme sleeve. Now I will say the all black looks so wavy. I will say that did so look fresh. dope. It looked so dope. So the thing that was funny about this was so Kelly Umbre was that who it was that did it first? Yeah, that's who had Washington? the leg. That's who had the leg sleeve. So he leg had the sleeve? yeah he had the I think it's we would still call it a leg sleeve even though that doesn't that's sound like it makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> did it still called a leg sleeve even though that doesn't really sound like it makes sense. But yeah, that that looked dope, but it kind of looked like he just cut it off from a t-shirt or something. 
Maybe. Maybe. But JR's looked sick. But the thing that was weird, though, Webby, was that Kelly Umbre said that the trainer or some team official told him he had to take it off, and so he didn't wear it for the whole game. JR, on the other hand, did. Now, what and are the chances? One of the best games he's had all. He was great last night. He was so great. But like, what I what it made me think of because I'm watching it, thinking, okay, well, how long is Jr. going to wear it for? Because someone's clearly going to tell him that he also can't wear it, right? But then I thought about him, like, is some team official really trying to tell Jr. Smith what he can and cannot wear? And how is that conversation really going to go down? Exactly. You know, next time he's coming out with one that just says Hennessy down the street. <laughs> That's so amazing. So those good. are the two things that I saw this week that that made me laugh. That made me smile. The the supreme the supreme sleeve. That's going to catch on. Well, that's going to be a, a thing for sure. Like there will be. A memo sent out from Adam Silver's desk probably next week, just reiterating the rules of has to be team licensed merchandise and blah, 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 all that, because you know it's just going to go out of control. And, you know, you can't be giving free advertising unless the NBA is getting a cut, right? Yeah, that's true. That's got to be this, Is this all culminating into a, a, an NBA Supreme Partnership? So you can wait in line for four hours and pay like a hundred bucks for uh, a. <laughs> For a supreme NBA headband or what? Well, the thing that's really going to happen is this is going to sweep like high school kids, right? Like high school kids oh, are going to be doing this. The and, teens are going to love it. Oh, it's going to be crazy. A uh, couple of things that came across my social media feed that I thought were perfect for our Feed Me segment. Uh, I'm going to call this one Boogie the Bully. So we, we oh, talked. This was awesome. Well, we talked last week about the Kevin Durant Boogie Cousins altercation, but later on in the week, a picture was released onto social media, and it was a picture of Boogie Cousins being held back by security as it appears he's trying to get down the hall to the Golden State locker room to get at Durant after they were ejected. Now, we heard about this, but to actually see the photo and just go on to go on to Twitter and search it and it it's just an amazing sight to see. It's but fantastic. it was so amazing because we were just talking about how like Boogie isn't the one to play with. But then on top of that, the reason that this was just so amazing, and it was just such a like great microcosm of life essentially, because here you had Boogie going at KD in the hallway, but then maybe a day later, the thing that flooded the internet was the little altercation or lack thereof of Zebo versus Boogie to where everyone was sharing this out, even things that are kind of sub-NBA accounts like TNT, which I thought was really funny, Bleacher Report, that they would share this, but essentially, it's Boogie and Zebo lining up for free throws, and you hear Zebo look at Boogie, and he just simply says, where I'm from, bullies get bullied. <laughs> which all, I thought was like... All I want to know, know is what Boogie said to him to make him say that. Right? Oh my God, that's so amazing. That's just the most, as I said, a microcosm of life. Just to show that like, there's always going to be someone bigger and badder than you think you are. And for DeMarcus Cousins, that's Zebo, right? Zebo ain't the one you want to play with. No, not even a little bit. Think about that. You're right. What did Boogie do for Zebo to say, where I'm from, bullies get bullied that's so <laughs> i would love to see the, i mean talk about like looking into the future when you look at boogie and zebo 
Oh my goodness, it's so good. As as Shaq would often say on TNT, underdog, put that on a t-shirt, right? That's a great t-shirt. We're up from bullies get bullied. And the funny thing about Zebo, right? Like we know Zebo's a real one, right? Like we know Zebo's that oh, yeah. dude. The funny thing, right, Webby, that's crazy. And we don't really mention this that much on this podcast, but like we both work in like legitimate, like, you know sports industries right like you did a lot of years over what 10 years calling highlights oh, yeah. doing highlights and i've worked as a producer and covered the nba and done reporting Watched and done a all lot that of games yeah we, sixers. we don't really talk about this that much on this podcast and it's funny because i wrote down the notes i wanted to tell you this story and then i thought to myself i'm like oh this might kind of sound weird for people listening because they might not know but i used to do a lot of reporting and doing interviews on nba players and stuff and i remember one time, I think it was maybe the year of Zebo's first All-Star game. When they yeah. were in Toronto, I got to interview Zebo, And I was excited because, you know, I followed his career, obviously, like saw the progression, saw as now that he was like coming into his own. And it was kind of like that second stage of his career where yeah. the label of being the quote unquote bad boy of the jailblazers and all that was starting to fade away. And he's getting like NBA community awards and all that stuff in Memphis and really ingraining himself in the community. And I got to to interview Zebo, And the biggest thing that I came away with after interviewing Zebo was that he's such a nice guy. He was so soft-spoken, so nice, so polite, so chill, so calm and cool. He gave me such a good interview. And I remember just coming away, coming, coming back like blown away by just like how cool he was. And he was so soft-spoken and so nice. But the reason I bring this up is because, as some of us might say that listen to the music, Webby, real bad boys move in silence. Yeah, right. Yeah, so absolutely. it kind of made sense. You know what I mean? It really, it really made sense that like he would be this soft spoken, like super chill, super cool dude. But once you cross him, <laughs> some of the some of the toughest guys that I've I've known in my life, if you talk to them just you know one on one, face to face, like I say, just the nicest, plain spoken, nice guys. Oh yeah. But but it's you're right. They move in silence and violence. <laughs> Right? So good. So good. Uh, we close out the Feed Me segment with kind of your little Sixers corner here because I'm going to ask you the question, Webby. Why do people continue to try Joel Embiid online? Why do people try Joel Embiid in real life? True. I just saw Carmelo try to get in his face after an and one in this game against the Thunder. <laughs> and Embiid, Embiid was having none of it. And he turned around to the crowd and he just did a little pump-up move. Amazing. Oh, he's the best, man. He's the ultimate. I mean, Dude, you don't try Joel Embiid. You don't try him online or in real life. Because the guy you want to talk about being the realist. This guy is the realist. <laughs> he's at least the realist online. Right. And Carl Anthony Towns did try Joel Embiid online because yeah. as it happened, he Joel wasn't em- trying him on the court. I'll tell you that when <laughs> Embiid was blowing by him. Well, Joel Embiid posted a picture of himself doing a Euro step layup oh. against the Timberwolves with the caption that said, Euro stepping our way through Minnesota. And we ended up raising the cat last night. Hashtag the process to which Carl Anthony Towns decided that he was going to go into Joel Embiid's comments, which, which That's also fine. is why the NBA is amazing because there are people all <laughs> over NBA Reddit that will find these things and will make this news the next day. Carl Anthony Towns got into Joel Embiid's mentions and said that caption was as trash as your picture quality. 
which is the <laughs> which is such a lame ass comment. First off, <laughs> to which Joel Embiid just commented back and said, "Better quality than your defense." <laughs> I love the NBA. Maybe no, we should I rename this Joel podcast. Embiid. We should rename this podcast. I love the NBA because, like, <laughs> this is amazing, right? Where else do we get this stuff, Webby? Where else do we get this stuff? Well, I'll tell you, you don't get it in MLB, you don't get it in the NHL, and you're not getting it in the NFL right now. Yeah, it's crazy. The NBA again. Feed me the feed me segment is just fire. There's always jokes going on in the NBA. The NBA is the best, and again. No wise words to all other players in the NBA. If you're about to at Joel Embiid for any reason other than to say something positive, just don't. Just you, don't. You're gonna lose. You're gonna, you're gonna you're gonna get ruined. You're gonna lose. Uh, another team that if you try to go up against lately, you might end up losing as well is your Toronto Raptors. But yes, our wrap it up segment. The Toronto Raptors are super red hot. They are off to a great start. They are battling for the top spot in the Eastern I don't Conference. Know. I'd say they're pretty solid in there at number three. Hey, but they're they're coming, Webby. They're coming. And I want to say that the, the Celtics are kind of, they're not slowing down, but they are kind of plateauing, if we could say Yeah, that, right? It's a long season. Long season. Super long season. Of course, the Celtics couldn't stay that hot for that long. But right now in our Wrap It Up segment, as I mentioned, the ringer, decided that they were going to write an article on the top 25 players of the first 25-ish games so far this season. And Raptor fans were up in arms because there was no Kyle Lowry and no DeMar DeRozan on this list. So what I want to do right now, Webby, is we're going to go through this list and we're going to figure out where we would put Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. How does that sound? Okay. So you're gonna start from the bottom. You're gonna start from one. Or you're gonna start from. I'm 20? gonna start from one, and we're just simply gonna say yes or no in terms of Kyle and Demar should be ahead of this person. Okay. Cool. So the number one player on their list is LeBron James. Obviously, no. Uh, obviously, we're going no. <laughs> right. Number two, James Harden. So, no. Shout out to the beard. Number three, the Greek Freak. No. Still no. Steph Curry. No. Why is Steph Curry so high? But anyways, that's just me hating. Number five, Kevin Durant. No. And, who, and Kevin Durant should be four. <laughs> Kyrie Irving should probably be ahead of both of those guys, but he's at number six. And we're also going to say no. And Kyrie is where he should be. <laughs> number seven, Boogie Cousins. Uh, definitely not. Boogie, definitely, yeah, where he should be. Anthony Davis at number eight. Okay, I'm all right with it. Chris stops but at no, no for Demar and Kyle. Chris stops at number nine. Uh, definitely no. Your boy Joel Embiid. Uh, definitely no. Russell Westbrook at eleven. Definitely no. Now here's where I come in, and I'm kind of like, hmm. Draymond oh. Green at number twelve. Who at number twelve? Draymond Green. Yeah, but I would say no. I'm still like, why is, I think Draymond's up here. He's too high on this list. You would not rather have Draymond Green right now over Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan. That's not a thing. That's, That's not real. Not, no, I would have Draymond over both of them. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, definitely. Al Horford. Al Horford's off to a great, a great start to the season. He's a key and cog for Boston. The 
that's a good place to put him too. That's uh, he he like we he's like Draymond like that. That they do so much more than just score, pass, or rebound. So true. So true. Uh, ben Simmons at fourteen. Love it, love it, and I'm saying no. Ben Simmons definitely in the top fifteen players right now in the NBA. Dame Lillard at fifteen. Yeah, again, gotta be up there. Lamarcus Aldridge having, having a super underrated season. Damian Lillard. It's true. He just, Dame's just doing what Dame does, right? And it's kind of it's almost like we're taking it for granted because we're becoming so used to it by now, right? Uh, Lamarcus, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And he plays in Portland, so like. Uh, we have the East Coast bias, you know? So true. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge at 16. Again, somebody who's having an under-the-radar insane season. Yeah, he's held the Spurs. Like, he's kept the Spurs going, especially since, like, uh, Kawhi just came back last game, I think, right? And yeah. the Spurs have been having a great season. So, yeah, I, I'm a LaMarcus Aldridge hater, but I got to give him love there. Uh, number 17, Jimmy Butler. Okay, far too high on this list. Ooh. But... Again, you're not putting yeah, Kyle no. and Demar over Jimmy Butler, no. You're starting. Uh, you could maybe give me an argument that uh, you take Demar, okay, over Butler, but I don't think Butler should be 17. Okay, next up, Andre Drummond. Yeah, that's who I'd probably have a little bit higher at 18. Yeah, you, Drummond, have- Drummond's just his numbers are stupid this year, mm-hmm. and like you got to give the big man credit for completely uh, doing what nobody thought he could do, which. As simple as it may sound, the free throw percentage is just unbelievable. And just for that, adds so much to what he can give your team. And the passing as well. Yeah, it's so crazy right now what Andre Drummond is doing. I'm not going to hate on Andre Drummond at all. Speaking of passing, uh, Embiid just dropping a beautiful dime. (laughs) It's going to be all over the Twitter. It might be on my feed me next week. Uh, Paul George checks in at number 19 on this list of the top 25 players of the first 25-ish games so far of the NBA season. Paul George at 19, Klay Thompson at 20. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I mean, because it's the the first 25-ish games of the season, I guess that that Paul George would be down there. But again, like, uh, now now, now I think DeRozan could, could be anywhere around these guys. Yeah, and here here's With where what I he's done this year. Here's where I'm really making these arguments here, saying that saying that at least DeMar DeRozan should get plugged in here. John Wall at twenty one, Victor Oladipo at twenty two, Nikola Jokic at twenty three, Kemba Walker at twenty four. Yeah, come on. And then uh, Bradley I mean, Beal at twenty one this year. And then Bradley Beal at twenty five. I mean, Sam Wall and Beal in the top twenty five. That's crazy. How many games has John Wall played? Right. And I, I just don't think that anyone will realistically say that they would rather have Victor Oladipo over Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan at this point. I just think that's just straight hate. And that leads into what we were talking about earlier with the whole like Victor Oladipo boosting because this whole like mainstream mer- um, this whole mainstream media narrative to like blame everything on Russ. So we make Oladipo look so much better now because he's not around Russ. Like, come on. You wouldn't rather right. have Oladipo we, over... We know the reason why Oladipo is so good. Do we? Yes, two words, bro. Home cooking? No, it's Lance Stevenson, bro. <laughs> Dude, how great has Lance been? Lance is amazing. I forgot to bring this up when we were talking about Oladipo. 
Why isn't Lance in the top 25 players in the NBA right now? <laughs> Lance is a treat, man. Lance is absolutely amazing. So I fun to watch. That, I, of players that I love to watch, that I will like watch them wherever they go on the court. You know, I talk about Russ. Talk about Embiid. I, I love when Lance is on the court. I love it. So good. And, I mean, Lance... The NBA is a better place when Lance Stevenson is around. Did you see that play? Someone was sharing it on Twitter the, like the other night where like he and basically waves off. off. And hitting the buzzer beater. Yeah. He like waved him off like so disrespect, just yeah. waving him off and then splashing the shot. It's no, like, I saw one that he had like this sick pass. Yeah. I forget. I think it was like to Thaddeus Young. An amazing pass. And Thaddeus Young blew the layup. Yeah. And all the way back, Lance was so mad. <laughs> he was like, there was my assist. Lance is the best. Lance is so entertaining, so much fun. And Man, I'll tell you, I think that this Pacers team is not only uh, not only is Oladipo having a great season, mm-hmm. but I think this Pacers team is is really fun to watch. They are fun to watch, and they have been doing a uh a great job this season. And because, you know, as much credit as Oladipo's getting, there's so much more that goes into their success and what they've been able to do so far this season. It's just such a great thing to watch. And it's cool for a fan base like that, that you know, like it's a basketball market, right? Like they support college basketball super heavy. And it's just that other than Reggie Miller and maybe for a little bit after that, you know, I guess Paul George gave them a Paul little George bit of a run. A nice run. Yeah, Paul oh, George yeah, gave them a little bit. They don't really, they haven't really had that much to cheer about consistently. Do you know what I mean? And so it, it's good to see when they do have at least a solid team in a small market like that, but a small market that will support their team. But, you know, again, to wrap up this uh, wrap it up segment here. I know, sorry to bring it on the page. No, 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 nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing wrong with that at all. Because, you know, hey, Lance isn't on the list, but neither is Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan. And I think, you know, we kind of came to the agreement here, Webby, would you say? They kind of fit in. They should at least be in that 18, 19 range for sure, well, yeah, DeMar DeRozan. I think that if you're going to put Bradley Beal and John Wall on the top 25 players, that I think DeMar DeRozan deserves to be there too. Because not only are the Raptors having a better season mm-hmm. than the Wizards right now, but DeMar's numbers compared to Walls and games played. Exactly. I totally agree. And, and again, to emphasize just the run that the Raptors are on right now, they're about to beat Brooklyn tonight. Obviously, they're going to smash them. But that would make the Raptors winners of 8 of 9 games and 12 of 15. Like They're on a crazy, crazy run right now. And yes, they've changed it. They've had this culture change where the pace of play is up, the assists, the ball movement is up. But that also includes DeMar DeRozan, who wasn't really known for being a playmaker. And I'm not saying that it's not like he's turned into, you know, uh, Chris Paul or anything, but DeMar is moving the ball. He's getting assists and and the other guys around him are starting to figure it out. You know, if you're OG and you cut to the basket, DeMar's going to find you, you know, and it's an interesting thing to see because we talk about this year in and year out, but DeMar DeRozan has improved in each and every year that he's been a Toronto Raptor and he's continued to do it again. And it is, I will say, Complete disrespect to not have DeMar DeRozan or and or Kyle Lowry on this list. But hey, that's why that's why entities make up these top 25 lists and stuff to get guys like us and other fans to get all riled up and angry because their guys aren't on the list, right? 
you know what? And I, I like that we're having this conversation and not even bringing up the fact that like, oh, they're not putting this on there because it's Canadian and whatever. Like, yeah. I don't think that has anything to do with it. Of course not. That's stupid. That doesn't make any sense at all, right? Everybody knows Toronto because of Drake, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Really, though, I just cheated that Drake line because it's a segue into our Ask On Blast, Webby. And our Ask On Blast, as we discussed last, last week, was that we were going to do our top albums of the year. Okay, so how many do you have? Do you have five? I have three. Okay, I'll go top three as well. Okay. Do you want to go first? How do you want to do this? Do you want to go your three, my three, like your number three, then my number three, then your number two, then my number two? Or do you just want to go, boom, here's my three albums? Let's do that. Okay, so you go first. What's your third album, your third favorite album of the year? My number three is your number one. Oh. So I'll just put it out there. Are you sure about that? And we can, we can, oh, I'm sure. (laughs) <laughs> okay okay so my number three is uh 444 that is not my number one but okay oh <laughs> how does jay no, 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 put on ahead. a record this year and it's not your number one no go ahead go ahead so okay this is uh definitely jay's most personal album mm-hmm. um let's go six uh definitely his most personal album mm-hmm. uh i thought Using one producer throughout the entire album was very, very cool. Uh, got some of my favorite Jay songs since the Black album, for sure. I think that story of OJ is is a song that really you want to talk about like defining 2017. Yep. I really think that the story of OJ is the song for 2017. Interesting, interesting. I I like it. I like it. And the more I listen to it, now, honestly, man, the more it's grown on me. Uh, I think when it came out. I was really expecting it to be like a another uh, Watch of Thrones kind of Jay Z, a little more bo- boisterous or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like the laid back, uh, kind of withdrawn Jay. And like I said, I think that the one producer thing on the album really helps him. So I like that. And obviously, yes, Jay Z will be on my list, but he's just not number one. Uh, my number three album, my number three favorite album of the year, Webby. Might be a surprise to you, because it's someone you're familiar with. It's your boy Meek Mill in Wins and Losses. That is my third favorite album of the year. I love this album. And it could be because I was was surprised by it. Like, I was always going to check it out, because I've always been a fan of Meek Mill. I've always thought Meek Mill was really, really good in terms of, you know, he could hit you with the bangers, but he could also hit you with the serious songs as well. But just his flow is just so dope. And... When he finds that right beat and he catches that right beat, Meek Mill is so, so good. I definitely think he's one of the most underrated rappers of his generation for sure. And obviously the whole stupid Drake beef or fake beef or whatever we want to call it, that like kind of stifled his career in terms of the mainstream success. But I feel like real hip hop heads have always known that Meek Mill is dope. And he reminded us of that with this album, Wins and Losses. My favorite song on this album, and it's one of my favorite songs of the year, is 1942 Flows. Oh, man, that song is so dope. Very good. So good. And I do want to say one of the reasons I didn't even know what the song was, the, I, I became familiar with the song, actually, because of LeBron. LeBron in one of his weird like workout you know, videos that he was sending out. Things, yeah. yeah, remember that? He just had the song bumping, and it was like right when the album came out, so I didn't even know what it was. And then it wasn't until 
maybe a couple weeks later when I finally did check out the album and I was like, oh shit, this is what LeBron was bumping the other day. I didn't even, I didn't even connect those dots. You know what I mean? But again, wins and losses, Meek Mill. If you haven't checked, if you haven't checked it out, if you hesitated on taking in Meek Mill, which if that's the case, what's wrong with you? Definitely check out Meek Mill's wins and losses. That is my number three album of the year. Webby, you're number two. Okay, first, I just, I gotta say something about Meek Mill. I've never heard a rapper who has better first tracks on his albums. Yes, yes. It's like every single one of his albums, the first song is so good. Agreed. Cosine. Uh, uh, okay, so my number two, uh, it's gonna go off the hip-hop track a little bit. There's a band, and they're from Philadelphia, and they're called Sheer Mag. Okay, okay. All right, S-H-E-E-R-M-A-G. They're like uh, not not a punk band, but definitely a rock band. Okay, and they put out their first uh, actual album this year, and it's called "Need to Feel Your Love." Ooh. And they have a lead singer, uh, a female. And hold on, let me just look up her name. Just give me two seconds here, because mm-hmm. she is easily the best front person, the best lead singer. Of a band that I've seen, I want to say, oh, it'll—I'll it, just say in a really long time. And I've seen this band live. Yeah. Okay, I saw them in Toronto. I saw them at the legendary. I saw them at the legendary um, venue called the the Horseshoe. Okay. And if you've ever been, yeah, I'm sure you've been to the Horseshoe, Shelly. I definitely have. I have a lot of white friends, Webby. I I, I get around, man. <laughs> so I saw them at the I'm Horseshoe. A, and I have an eclectic mix of friends, Webby. So my musical tastes, you know, I, I get introduced to a lot of You're from Northern, exactly. Exactly, yeah. I, I get introduced to a lot of different things. Okay, so this band rocked my socks. Their lead singer is this girl named Tina Halliday. Okay. And she must be pushing 250. Okay. Okay. She is a big gal mm-hmm. with one of the with a crazy voice, and in in a performance, a live performance, one of the best lead singers I've ever seen. Now their album is called "Need to Feel Your Love." Get out there and listen to "Need to Feel Your Love." I okay. promise you, it's about forty five minutes, and it's the best rock album you'll hear this decade. Whoa! I that guarantee is- it. That Go is high praise. Sheer mag. They are my favorite band right now. That is super high praise there, Webby. I like that though. I like that. Giving us a little the deep cuts there. And, and they and they rep Philly. Nothing wrong with that, right? Nothing wrong with that. As as Philly is kind of the second home of this podcast, right? Absolutely. We gotta <laughs> sing this corner and we gotta have Sheer Mag corner. Amazing. That's amazing. Uh as I said, I, I get introduced to a lot of different music musical tastes. But it always comes back to one man and one man only. And that is my number two favorite album of the year is Jay-Z's 444. And I mean, I second everything that you said, Webby, when you discussed the album. And I'll double down. The story of OJ is just a brilliant piece of music, just in terms of the theme and the concept and everything behind it is just so, so good. It's everything that's perfect about Jay-Z. Exactly. It, it's such a good album. And as I've said before on this, on this podcast, when Jay-Z has a theme, that is the best Jay-Z. And this theme of like, in terms of just what was going on in his life, obviously, he, it gave him something to say. 
And when he has something to say, he's more invested. And that is the best Jay-Z. And I've been telling people this. The third verse on the song, Smile. First off, Smile is such a beautiful song with that Stevie Wonder sample. It's so good. But the third verse on Smile, he like blacks out. And it's like old school Jay, just the double entendres, the metaphors, the like the ability to like paint a picture. It's so beautiful. Such a great piece of work. And again, as you said, having one producer give it a central sort of theme and thought and feel, so good. Marcy Me, dope track. Put that on with any other Jay classic. Jay-Z's 444, my number two album of the year. Webby. Okay, so if that's your number two, then I have a feeling that our number ones are going to be the same. <laughs> I think so. I'll let because you go first. If, if the story of OJ was the song of 2017, mm-hmm. then Kendrick Lamar's Damn has to be the album of 2017, right? I wholeheartedly agree, yes. Yeah. Okay, I- good. Um, I've been waiting for this Kendrick Lamar since I first heard him on Section 80. Oh, okay. I've been, I've been waiting for him to put it together. Listen, I like Pimp a Butterfly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Good Kid Mad City told, told an amazing story. Uh, Untitled, Unmastered, I thought was mind-blowing. Okay. But for him to put it all together and not just give us that kind of um, uh, conceptual kind of heady thing that we know he can do, yeah. but then also just bring it on every single song and keep it tight and concise. You know that I've gone nuts about these uh, uh, 40 or 25 track long Drake albums. Yeah, 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 yeah. And listen, if this if this, if this list was a little bit longer, I was going to put More Life on there. Oh. Because I thought More Life was really good. But what Kendrick, what Jay-Z, what these guys can do in like 15 tracks, in 13 tracks, I mean, that's, that's what being an artist is all about. I thought the damn front to back was the best album of 2017, hands down. I agree with you. And the dope part about Damn was just from a conceptual standpoint, like just the names of each track, you know, just being one word things. And they're all just like different emotions and different like elements, so to speak. It was just so dope. And Here's the thing. What you said about the fact that he gives you a little bit of everything, there's still the deep and thought-provoking Kendrick, but then there's also just the, you know what, we're going to get Mike Will on some tracks, and we're going to give you some bangers. And I think that the fact that he has the ability to take it to the club or, or, or give you a banger, but then at the same time, have Rihanna sing a dope-ass hook on Loyalty, oh, it's, it's such a good album, cover to cover, such a great listen. And again, maintaining that same deep and thought-provoking Kendrick that makes Kendrick what he is, and I think but makes still, him the best. But still having him show off the skills that he has. Because exactly. really, like, and he's got that same thing that Jay has, who, which is whatever track that he's on, mm-hmm. I almost, I, I can't wait to hear Kendrick when I see his name as a feature on somebody else's track. So true. So true. Because right. he has the and ability. I feel the same way with Jay Z. When Jay Z's on somebody else's track, I know he's going to be amazing. That is dope. And and we didn't talk about this before in terms of what our albums of the year were going to be. So it's kind of cool that we both agreed on the fact that Kendrick did have 
the top album of the year, and I'm going to assume that the Grammys might agree with us soon. Not that we really take in the Grammys or use that as a gauge for what no, we like never. and didn't like. But I think that when something in the genre of hip-hop is considered that dope by most fans, and then it also, you know, like that kind of shows the crossover, right? You know what I mean? Like it's very rare that oh, yeah. oh, all yeah. hip-hop, hip-hop fans agree that an album is dope. You know? Absolutely. Now, before we get out of here, Shelly, and I got to go soon, but when we're speaking about uh, hip-hop and the Grammys, mm-hmm. um, one of the first real like uh, hip-hop groups that was recognized by the Grammys was The Roots. Okay. Yeah. I want to ask you, tell me, Shelly, mm-hmm. that you saw what Black Thought did on Funkmaster Flex's show. See, I didn't see it. It, it came, I was okay. super busy okay. today Okay, then we're ending the show right now. Okay. You're going to pull it up on social media. <laughs> it's 10 minutes and 45 seconds long. Okay. I'm and in. then you're going to tell me why Black Thought isn't on your Mount Rushmore of MCs. Okay, that will be our discussion next week for sure. In you're gonna call. I know what's gonna happen. You're gonna put this down. You're gonna watch it, and then you're gonna tweet me about how awesome it is. (laughs) We'll see, Webby. We'll see. That is amazing. Uh, But I want to say that is dope, and I am definitely gonna do that. And obviously, because Webby encouraged us to do so, I would advise everyone listening to go do that, and also. Don't be afraid to hit us up on Twitter and let us know your favorite albums of the year and also your thoughts on everything NBA. Because, of course, this is the Ball on Blast podcast, as always, unpolished and unapologetic. Again, I am Sheldon Alexander. You can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander and on Instagram, Sheldon Alexander. I am Andrew Webster, and you can see me searching for a Carlos Santana Phillies t-shirt jersey around every social media at a webster 84 that is amazing and we are always amazing because we are the ball on blast podcast unpolished unapologetic until next week see ya peace